Welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast, the podcast that's all about cops. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. You have tuned in, undoubtedly, to the most informational law enforcement podcast out there today because we'll talk to real cops, some active, some retired, and we'll get the inside story on law enforcement. I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds, and once again, I'm seated behind the stainless steel titanium microphone inside the Boys in Blue podcast studio here in Mesa, Arizona. And as a lot of you know, I'm a retired deputy sheriff, and I've worked for some pretty good sheriffs. Some of them are pretty tough. But my guest today is America's toughest sheriff, without a doubt. And we are so pleased to have as our guest today, Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Joe, welcome to the Boys in Blue podcast. Well, thanks for uh, thinking of me, Bill. Well, I just met you out there at the Crossroads Gun Show, and we kind of hooked up there and chatted and uh, talked to you, twisted your arm into coming on the podcast, so we appreciate that. I know you got a pretty tough election you're right in the midst of, and uh, one thing I appreciate about you is your energy level is that of a 30-year-old man in his prime, I'll tell you. Do you ever get tired, Joe? No, not really. I, you know, I'm up there in the age. They use that against me, but I'll gun any of these critics <laughs> and opponents. So, uh, uh, you know, I'm ready to do it again. I, uh, started my career, uh, actually I joined the army when the Korean war broke out and you know that 1950, I was a cop in DC, walked the black beat for four years. And I went to Vegas, uh, and, uh, did six months uh, with the Vegas uh, PD. Actually, I grabbed Elvis and in the same year, I then went to Chicago, got sworn in in 1957 as a federal narcotic agent now known as DEA and uh, started that 26 year career and took over from Chicago. They sent me to Turkey. Uh, so I was head of myself, one agent with a 38. That's all they gave me a 57 year old Chevrolet. Uh, so one day I'm having gun battles undercover in the hills of Turkey and Syria and Next day, I'm meeting with the prime minister. So it was a very, very exciting job. Uh, I was about 25 when I was sent there and um, uh, had a lot of fun. I was very proud of the fact that I was only one of two agents overseas to stop the drugs uh, from going into uh, France to be made into heroin and then smuggled into the U.S. Uh, where the mob took over. Uh, and from there, I took a lot of jobs as agent in charge in Texas. The reason I mentioned Texas is I covered the border uh, at that time uh, and then uh, went to D.C. as head of the DEA in that area and, and ended up with G. Gordon Liddy of Watergate fame. And he and I ran an Operation Intercept under Nixon, 1969, where we closed just about closed the border 
for uh, two two weeks, and then I took over as a director, regional director in Mexico. They hated us, so I had to get the attorney general in my corner. And I bring this up because I'm, you know, I'm a big uh, Trump fan. I was with him from day one, and uh, I uh, I've introduced him many times. Uh, so, um, I like it when he goes to meet with Putin and, and so-called enemies because she can go in a back room and make a deal. And that's what I did with the attorney general of Mexico in a different way. He came to my house a few times. He liked blueberry pie. So my wife kept pumping out blueberry pie and I threw in a little uh, American whiskey. So I got more done with blueberry pie. And then, uh. Also, I had an office in Panama and Argentina, and I can go on and on. And I used to work with General Noriega. He was playing both sides. Back to first, uh, uh, President Bush invaded Panama to bring him back. I used to meet with this guy in, the, in his bunker. I could have brought him hey. back myself. So I had an interesting uh, career, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with the U.S. Uh, uh, drug enforcement, and uh, well, let me I ask, ended up. Let me ask you, Joe. How did you? Now you were a street cop in the states, right? Yeah, when I yeah when I left, I joined the army when the Korean War broke out. Did my sure. three years, uh, left as a staff sergeant, and then I always wanted to be a cop when I grew up. So I took the D.C. police test, passed it, and. Uh, Became a cop, and uh, I wanted a tough beat, and they sure gave me the toughest beat probably in America. It was all black, and I had a lot of assaults uh, on me. I was very aggressive being a young cop at 21 years old. You know how that is. Sure, sure. Uh, So um, it was a good assignment. And then uh, after leading off the parade for uh, Eisenhower, I met the sheriff from Vegas, Clark County, and he talked me into going to Vegas. So I went down there and got interviewed and joined the Vegas Police Department and spent six months and then went to Chicago and got sworn in and married my wife of 62 years, uh, almost the same day. So I married my wife and got sworn in as a federal agent. Well, you know, that's, that's, um, See, I didn't know that. A lot of people don't know. See, I was under the impression that you went from the military into DEA, and then uh, after that career, you became sheriff. So it's uh, comforting to know that you know what the street cops are going through, being a cop in D.C. and then also in Vegas. Now, uh, you were a policeman back in the days when I don't know. There's no portable radios, that's for sure, when you're out there walking the beat. Would you have like a call box every yeah, other box? No, yeah. Yeah, I had a nightstick, <laughs> a blackjack, and a thirty eight. I didn't oh, have tasers and machine guns and all that. Oh yeah. And, and I don't know. I was very aggressive, so Well, you know, uh, you had to, you had to be to survive back then. In fact, uh Well yeah. And you know, Bill, uh, they accused me of racial profile, and it took them eight years to get me, Obama and his 
to hold or the attorney general on a Mickey Mouse uh, contempt of court. Uh, uh, so, uh, and everybody says I'm a racist, no. racial profiler. Well, I guess uh, you, you were in law enforcement. By the way, thank you for your uh, dedicated service. And, and I believe you were a deputy sheriff, which puts you in a different ball game because sheriffs are usually elected, not yeah. appointed. So when you are appointed, you have to report to the mayor, council, or whatever. Sure, politics. You, you, you know how that gets involved. <laughs> well, you know. So when uh, you're elected, it's different. You know as well as I do that law enforcement is more of a calling than it is a career for you know, and so I would ask you now, you always want to be a policeman. What drew you? Did you have a mentor that was in law enforcement that influenced you somehow to get into that? Or was it the military experience that drew you to law enforcement? Uh, when I grew up, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I, my uh, mother and father came here from Italy. And uh, unfortunately, my mother gave her life for me. She refused an abortion. So I bounced around from one Italian family to the other. My father opened up uh, Italian grocery stores. So I worked there on a weekend and uh, played ball in high school and all that. But they tell me when I was younger, I always wanted to be an FBI agent, what have you. Uh, so I decided that career. And after the Army, uh, I did a little investigative work in the Army. In fact, I was... Uh, uh, warrant officer subsequently in the reserves and the CID. Uh, so um, I uh, always wanted to be a cop, and I always fulfilled and had my life plan anyway, knowing what I wanted to do, and I usually followed my gut and was able to get what I wanted to do in my life So and worked hard at it. Yeah. I didn't have uh, drinks with the boss to get promoted. I did it. Uh, by what I accomplished, <clears throat> excuse me, I got this uh, Phoenix uh, air. Uh, so uh, worked hard for what I, I did in my life. And, well, uh, I know right away, right away, uh, that you've been married, what, 62 or 63 years? Going on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, going on 63, Bill. Well, 63 years. So right away, Joe. Um, I know who the credit goes to, and it all started with blueberry pie. So, behind every successful man and whiskey is <laughs> a good woman. So, I know that uh, that probably helped you a lot in your career, being married to that wonderful lady you had there. But now, so, uh, how did you be, get interested in becoming the Maricopa County Sheriff? Well, you know, I retired as head of the uh, DEA in Arizona. By the way, I covered the border here as a Fed, too. I keep bringing that up. And then as regional director on the other side, I covered the border. And then sheriff for 24 years, which makes me the longest in the history of Maricopa County. So when you add all that up, I got like 36 years. I don't know, 58 or 55 uh, covering that border. Uh, but I wanted to come west, and we had a reorganization. I was able to grab this job in Phoenix, and I had, uh, once again, planning my life, 
my wife and I uh, wanted to run a business, so I retired here as uh, after 31 years with the federal government and opened our uh, business with my wife, travel business, which is still in existence after 40 years. It's a travel, a travel business? Yeah, my son runs it. Okay. And uh, people wanted me to run for a sheriff during those times, but I stuck with the business. So I ran a business for 10 years, too. Huh. And then I decided to run uh, for sheriff when I was 60 years old and 24 years. So you can get your calculator out <laughs> and see that I am a, I qualify for Sun City. There you go. So, yeah. so I was 60 and uh, made a big mistake when I ran. I'm not ashamed to say it. I must have been drunk on Italian olive oil. So I said that the sheriff should be appointed and not elected. Now I found out my first month in office, I would have been fired if I was appointed and there'd be no tent cities, pink underwear, mm -hmm. and animal abuse. I can go on and on. So I made that mistake. And I learned awful quickly that the one law enforcement official should be elected by the people. And that's how I survived all these uh, years. Well, I tell you now, I've heard you speak very highly of President Trump. And I agree with everything you say in that regard. But I will say, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, that you were the Trump of Maricopa County way before Trump was even well known. I mean, that's what kept you in office for sure. And because you were the people's sheriff and what you were doing is what people needed all along. And just as is Trump, what he's doing now is what we've needed all along. Just straight shooter, tell it like it is and let's get something done. <laughs> well, that's a good question because uh, when he came here in July, 2015, that was his first big rally after he announced in June. And I was one of very few, maybe one or two, uh, that got up and I introduced him. Nobody else would. And I said then, and I never met the man. I got a little note from him prior to that, a couple, three, four years uh, prior. Never met him. And I said three things, that uh, there's a silent majority out there. We're born on the same day, flag day. And also, uh, you're going to be the next president. So I've been with him, uh, introducing him all over the place. And when NBC interviewed me, I believe last year, she, she says, John McCain, your hero. And I paused <laughs> and I said, and this is the truth. Four, four months before she asked me that question, I woke up one morning. I told my wife. I finally found my hero. Now, I don't care. Everybody can have their heroes. I'm not against that. I'm talking about me personally. I'm allowed to have a hero. And I said, the hero is our president. And that is Donald Trump. She didn't know how to answer that when she's trying to hook me mm. on the McCain issue. And that's mm. true. That's true. And I've, I've been the honorary chairman for Bush and for Mitt Romney. And, for Rick Perry 
And I've had presidential candidates visit me in the tents, and every time they run, they come to me. Uh, so I know a little about hanging around with presidents. So this, and, they, and when you when you endorse someone, and believe me, everybody seems to want my endorsement. I don't know about now. A lot of a lot of them are going a little south, but that's okay. I win this by going to the people, not by endorsement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. the point is, I'm trying to get Bill. It's a fact that his campaign and he have never told me what to say and not to say. So I had to wing it every time I introduce. I don't know if I'm saying something that's wrong <laughs> that I hurt yeah. But 95 percent of what I believe in and said. He does. So uh, we're on the same track. And I I don't go around when I meet him. In fact, I spent an hour with him, uh, not not recently, but uh, the trip he made before, just he and I in a hotel room. I don't go out and, and brag that I met the president, mm-hmm. like other politician. We discuss this, we discuss that. So when the media asks me, I just so ask him, don't ask me about it. Uh, but we're at war. Uh, there's a war on cops. I feel sorry uh, at what's going on with the uh, cops today. Uh, I'm the, uh, in fact, there's a National Center for uh, Police Defense. I'm on a board, and what we do, and I do, I'm chairman of the, uh, you know, fundraising. So we raise money, and when cops are thrown under the bus. We help the families and, uh, and uh, you know, help them with the legal or, um, you know, security sure. or whatever. Yeah. So I'm yeah. pretty proud of that. I think we've done about uh, 11 already. And uh, because I know, I know how they're thrown under the bus uh, thanks to the video cameras, thanks to the no guts that these politicians have. They rather throw a cop under the bus mm-hmm. uh, because they look at the video, and then the first thing they call is the uh, civil rights division. Go out public, blasting the cops before they even have a chance for an investigation to be completed. So these cops uh, sometimes are very difficult for them to do the jobs. Uh, I, I worry about cops not being aggressive like they used to be, uh, and uh, just doing their normal job without taking that extra step, whether it's stopping cars or what have you, because you know as well as I do, Bill, a lot of your crimes are committed by stopping vehicles on a traffic violation. Sure. And yeah. when, you, when you have cops afraid to stop because if they look crooked at the occupant, or the driver, they're going to get under investigation and yep. that whole racial profile and keeps popping up. Well, that is the, uh, yeah. And that I'm going to talk episode. about this sheriff here now. It's, it's, uh, let me just say it's a disaster what's going on in Maricopa County Sheriff's Office. Well, you know, I talked to a couple uh, Maricopa deputies the other day. And I just asked him. I said, you know, they were out at superstition area there looking for somebody. But um, I said, what is the, 
what's the feeling now towards this new shura? And he said, you know what? We're like a stepchild out here. Uh, <laughs> all the emphasis is on the jails and the courts. And, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, them deputies are the ones, they're the first responders out there. They could use a little love here, you know. <laughs> my, so my impression from them was, well, we're just, we're kind of like a forgotten entity out here. So let me ask you, after you're elected, what things would you change? What would your what would your goals be as you're reinstated as a sheriff of Maricopa County? Well, first of all, I'm going to bring back the tents. I'm bringing everything back because everything went. Anything I touch in 24 years is gone. I'm not going to get into the morale. All the deputies that are quitting are under IA. I think they got 2,000 under eternal order. Oh, so I'm not going to get into all that, but there's a, the media coverage for the current sheriff. They never talk about anything that uh, he does. Uh, either way, come to think of it, because he doesn't deal with the media. But the point is, uh, there's a love affair, and the reason is because the if they make him look bad, it makes me look good. Uh, but I beat him the first time, and the second time... Uh, I, I don't, you, you could have won. Anybody could have won. Uh, when Soros, the billionaire, pumped in $3 million against me when they announced uh, they're going to charge me uh, with contempt of court, put me in prison a couple of days before uh, voting started. Uh, so I had so much against me, but I still got 550,000 votes. But um, So I lost the general election. So I'm going back there. To, make things different uh, and get back the way it was and um, try to do the best I can. Now they give me the title America's toughest sheriff. Come to think of it, I am America's toughest sheriff in the sense that my background, all those years fighting the drug problem, coming into uh, Arizona when I was a federal agent, and also sheriff, if I can stop those people here and throw them in jail, I'm doing a great service around the nation because they're not going to Chicago or New York selling drugs or the illegal immigrants coming in. So if I can stop it here, once again, I look at the big picture. I'm doing something for America. And that's the way I look at it, making use of my background of all those years in Mexico and the border helps me the way I manage the uh, sheriff's office. So I look at the big picture. I'm not just, uh, you know, the sheriff and uh, came up through the ranks. Uh, sure. I came up through the ranks. I came up through other ranks like federal, the army, I can police, I can go on and on. Those are the ranks I came up with. And I've been sure for 24 years. I'm not going to get well, into my opponents right now. Well, you know, that's, that's, like. that's valuable background to be able to see the big picture on it. I mean, and that is, uh, when you think about it, you stop it here, it doesn't fan out into uh, all the way up into the Northeast and everything else. And you can stop right here. That's very valuable. And I will say this, Sheriff. I am very optimistic. Um, the people of my mindset, and I'm assuming yours also, I think we're on the same page, 
is that we're not the kind that's uh, going out and boisterous and making a big deal about everything. We're just going about life. But I think when it comes to the ballots, we're the kind of the silent conservative majority. And I see things turning around a little bit. <clears throat> One of the uh, things that gives me hope is I see where uh, they just replaced this uh, chief in uh, Mesa. Now, he came up here with uh, that liberal uh, agenda, and that didn't last very long. And, you know, people finally started to speak out a little bit about that. So I understand today they're going to announce a, a new uh, chief. But I, th I see uh, I'm very optimistic about uh, how law enforcement is um, perceived, especially 99% of the public is 100% behind the police, and they think like, uh, yourself. It's just a noisy minority, I believe, that gets all the headlines and with the liberal media. But I think uh, you're on the right track, and I think that's you're the people's sheriff, as far as I'm concerned. That uh, makes a big difference. Well, you talk about Gascon, who's now running for office in L.A. Oh, uh, yes. I had to fight him. In fact, I, uh, I raided City Hall. Uh, for illegal immigrants, uh, because uh, cops would not do anything about it, and he would not. So, yeah, I had my battles, but he forgets one thing. I served the people. I happened to be an elected constitutional sheriff. And when the Tea Party came to me to, uh, in 2011, and they said, you're our last hope, nobody, nobody will look into the... Uh, Obama's birth certificate. I looked at it. I'm not stupid. I've been around the feds for years. You think I did not know if I opened an investigation against the president that I wouldn't take hits from everywhere. And I did it. it took me two hours to make that decision. And to this day it's haunting me, but I'll tell you one thing, 150% that's a fake government document. And it took me uh, five years and my volunteer uh, posse, cold case posse uh, investigator. But that's what you do when you're the sheriff. You, uh, <laughs> if you're a chief of police, you think you're going to do anything? No. Unless the uh, city council and the mayor agrees to it, you can be fired. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of them are fired. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's uh, that's one thing I have to remember when when I see especially some of the local chiefs that don't have their men's back when it comes to, you know, some of these, oh, you know, abuses that they're charged with. And they're always after the ground pounder out there making split second decisions. And I see the chief kind of waffle. And, I, you know, I think you're, you make a good point there. And a an elected guy wouldn't have to put up with that, but an appointed person has to just kind of walk in on eggshells there. Well, tell me, Sheriff, what you've been sheriff for 24 years. What do you think is your biggest challenge going to be when you come back as sheriff? Well, probably still uh, dealing with the uh, a couple of federal judges, but, you know, I'll handle it. I've been around a long time. I got the experience. I lived through all this, so I'm not coming back. I just look at it that I took a four-year cruise. Um, <laughs> my cruise is done, and I'm going back to work. I never took sick leave uh, or annual leave, except once uh, when I hit my arm. Uh, but, uh, no, I've been uh, 
Uh, I never had annual. I never took it. Now I took a four-year annual leave. I'm coming back. I'm going to do what I've been doing. I'm going to reinstitute all my programs. I'm going to continue to fight the illegal immigration uh, problem. I'm going to keep my animal cruelly bring that back because I'm tough on that. And I'm bringing back the tent city and all the programs uh, I've had. And that's the way it's going to be. And if people don't like it, uh, especially politicians, I hate to say it, that's the way I'm going to do it. And well, that's, uh, I'm that's not coming beauty. back to take. Go that's, ahead, the, that's the beauty of being uh, elected, like you said. But, so um, now let me ask you, Sheriff, in your 24 years, I know you've already mentioned one mistake you made, and that was advocating for an appointed uh, process versus election. What would you have done differently in your career? Well, that's tough. Uh, I'm I mean, a big, my high wife. Good. Uh, yeah, well, let me just answer it this way. I'm I'm uh, I'm a big Frank Sinatra. My way is my favorite song. I see that Trump now is playing it. Uh, but the thing is, and it says regrets. I've had a few, but too few to mention. But uh, I've had a couple of regrets. Maybe not really my programs. I'll stick by them to the end. But maybe I made a couple of mistakes on. Uh, management, you know, uh, maybe, uh, appointments and that type of thing. But I always back my people up. So even though, uh, they screw up, I still back them up. That's the way I am. And that gets me in a lot of trouble sometimes, but, uh, I'm going to continue to back up, uh, my people because I know they got a tough job and someone has to stand by him, especially in the environment we are in now. I, I hope when you met those two deputies, you didn't have their little uh, camera pointed at you. I don't <laughs> you know they, they did, may, they're probably going to... They may have, but... Well, they're in deep trouble if they, because they'll end up in, in the where a Gila Ben. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, they didn't tell you the real story. They're more... They're, yeah. they're, you know, there's... They're afraid. They're afraid to visit me. They don't oh, right boy. down next in Fountain Hills. They're afraid to come in and and if they well, stop me, I'm dead. Because I can, uh, tell, I can tell you from experience being a ground pounder out there that there's nothing better for the morale of the guys is to know that uh, their supervisor has their back. It's going to stand up for them, and uh, I think that's what's you know you just never know anymore who's going to. That's one of the things you always did, Joe. I agree. You always had your guys' back, and I think that is so valuable and important. And your biggest advocates were the guys on the street. I mean, uh, especially your reserves. I mean, boy, those guys were, they were uh, our fire guys. Yeah, Yeah, your posses, yeah. yeah. They got rid of all of them. I'm going to bring that posse back. I had 500 with the guns and and police chiefs sometimes. You know, I try to go along with everybody. I always have. But sometimes they they don't like what I do when I come into the Phoenix and raid the hookers on Van Buren with my posse and drugs. And and, uh, they know they can't stop me. Uh, So sometimes they, I, I don't blame them. They have their turf. Uh, problems too, but you know, I I have to do what I feel is right. If they're not really concentrating on animal cruelty and things like that, I do it. I have the resources to do it, build it up. 
And I'm going to continue to do that because I'm the, I'm the sheriff for the whole county. That includes Phoenix and Mesa and everywhere else. But I've always got along with law enforcement. And uh, even today, as I said, I'm helping the cops that are thrown under the bus uh, right. and trying to help them. That's great. You know, that is so important in this, uh, you know, because of your street experience, I'm so glad to hear that you walked the beat in D.C. because, you know, you get to read people real quick and you deal with enough of these guys and you know what they're going to do before they do it. Just from their, they communicate things to their body yeah. language. And Bill, I'm get, glad you don't have well, I'm just I got to say, say something about that because yeah, you brought it up earlier. I didn't get I didn't get the word of it before. I don't know how much more time, but I got to say one thing, which is go controversial. Ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I guess I was ra- I guess I was racial profiling from 1954 to 57, and I'll tell you how it works. And you know, come on, I, I'm sure you're not going to go against me in what I'm going to say. If you have a black bee in the two in the morning, you see a white guy walking down the alley. He's out of place. Is there anything wrong for me to go up and say, what are you doing here? Be careful. Are you picking up drugs or hookers? Is that racial profile? I probably wouldn't have stopped him if, if he wasn't white. I mean, so I don't know. Maybe I was racial profiling way back then. I don't well, racial profile. I'm not a racist. I have family that I never talk about. Grandkids that are different black and they're Mexican. And so I'm a racist. And let them call me whatever they want. But I, I use proper police procedures and not afraid to say it because whatever you say will be in the headlines mm. and you won't get the backing of uh, your political elected people that oversee the department because they don't want to take the heat from their constituents because they may not get reelected. Mm. That's the way it is. If you want to disagree with that, that's okay. No, that's, I agree. I think I know what I'm talking about. I I didn't mean to cut you off, but I had to throw that at you. Absolutely. And that's the whole thing. Uh, uh, when you've been a cop long enough, you, you see things that are, you know, you can tell by a guy's body language if he's getting ready to run or jump you or swing or something. And uh, if you spot that, you take action before he does. Well, now a civilian looking at a video, he doesn't know. He hasn't been out there fighting crooks at 2 in the morning. And he maybe not, well, hey, the guy was just standing there. Well, no, he was getting ready to go. <laughs> and so I don't know. It's just... Uh, the police have, you're right, they do have a tough job, but I am optimistic. Uh, your election coming up, and I think things are turning around a little bit. Trump has made a big impact on uh, appreciating law enforcement and our military. I think that is just fantastic what he's been doing. Well, Joe, listen, it's just been a pleasure to talk to you. I could spend four hours with you, but was there any last uh, comments you make before we kind of wind this up? No, I'm fighting tough battles. I have a primary, but I'm not worried about that. Uh, but then I have the uh, general. So if anybody wants to help, this uh, you know my campaign thing is arpio4sheriff.com. Uh, and I do pretty good in raising money. Uh, and I've outgunned all my uh, 
opponents so far, except I don't know if George Soros is going to pump in another three <laughs> million or the, the mayor from New York that, uh, uh, doesn't like the second amendment, how much money he's going to pump in here in Arizona. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So when's the primary? Primaries, August, the, 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 uh, uh, the primary is August four. Okay. And of course the general election is everybody, the president and everybody's running in November. Sure. Okay. Well, listen, best to you, Joe. And, uh, anything well, that I you. can, Anything I can help you with, you got my phone number there, and I follow you on Facebook, and it's always kind of a kick to go out and see where you're at, what are you doing, and and uh, I just wish you the best, and uh, if I had an early ballot, I'd mail it in right now. <laughs> well, thank you for your service. Don't forget where you came from. You're, you're a host now, but at least you have the experience. Well, my experience helps me appreciate a, a good man. And, Joe, I'm in your corner. So, listen, thank you for coming on the Boys in Blue podcast. And, listen, we'll be seeing you down the road. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for listening to the Boys in Blue podcast. Again, I'm your host, retired police officer Bill McReynolds. Boys in Blue comes out every other week. Subscribe to the Boys in Blue wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and let us know what you think.